That was uh, Ed Sarath, a musician and scholar, jazz musician, I should say, and a uh, very interesting guy, and jazz is a fascinating field, and uh, definitely gave me more insight into it. Yeah. Uh, one thing we didn't get into was Ed's uh, role for some years um, as a leader in the uh, attempt to bring contemplative practice into education. But we'll have to do that another time. Yeah, he heads up the know, department. He teaches of, at the un- yeah. What's that? So he, he heads up the Department of uh, Music and Consciousness at the University of Michigan. Just the fact yeah. that he was able to uh, start an, an institute or a division uh, like that at the University of Michigan is quite an accomplishment. And it's been going yes, on for at least 10 or more years. Yeah, that's right. And there's a lot of other educators who are doing work, research, and application uh, of um, meditative practices, sort of bringing the inner life of students into the field of education has been a leader in that regard. Mm-hmm. No, it was good. And for, uh, for me, especially, <clears throat> I think everybody, uh, especially Americans, should learn as much as they can about jazz because it's a truly a, you know, a, an art form that developed in America, <clears throat> I believe, starting down in New Orleans and, um, you know, New York, Chicago, uh, throughout the country, throughout the world now. And yeah. uh, it's fascinating. And, you know, when you hear these musicians play it's, and they're interacting with one another, it's like uh, they're speaking a language to one another that sometimes yeah. I can comprehend and groove on, and sometimes I find incomprehensible, which he, which he talked about. Yeah, and you know, there's a lot of different uh, varieties of jazz, a lot of schools of jazz, a lot of different styles. So, you know, it, it ranges far afield. You know, orchestral Duke Ellington uh, is one form of jazz, and, you know, the sort of uh, freeform jazz of people like Ornette Coleman is a whole other mm-hmm. thing and everybody would have uh, you know people people think they're not they don't like jazz but when you tell them you know what constitutes jazz you know it's often music they're very familiar with and and listen to or enjoy well I have a question for you Phil <clears throat> when was it that you started to listen to jazz and um, um, when you started meditating I assume after you started listening to jazz, did it yeah. affect your appreciation of jazz at all? That's a good question. You know, I have to, um, I, you know, I grew up, uh, oh, I'm old enough so that the music in my house with my parents was sort of show music <clears> and <throat> Frank Sinatra music. But a lot of that is jazz. Right, exactly. And Frank Sinatra, you know, was a great jazz singer. <clears throat> Ella Fitzgerald. So when I was in college, I mm-hmm. I got really into jazz and I would buy jazz albums and I, you know I was in New York City and I would go to Birdland and the Five Spot and the Village Gate you know when those places were affordable and <laughs> it was a very cool scene uh my mother's father yeah. <clears throat> came from Italy and he was a waiter at the uh, Statler Hilton and the Pennsylvania Hotel in New York and a lot of the big jazz bands performed there and he served yeah. their tables and got to know the Dorsey brothers and Benny Goodman and a lot of these folks, and it stirred my interest, and I would listen a lot. And uh, so that's my exposure to jazz back then. And obviously, yeah. jazz has evolved, and my interests have, have evolved as well. But um, great art, art form, and I don't know if it's going through another renaissance now, but I'm hearing a lot more jazz now than I did, say, 10 or 15 years ago. It seems to be somewhat of a comeback. 
Um, I hope that's true. Um, you know, I I used to even go to the Newport Jazz Festival when it was in Newport, and you know, it, and I saw a lot of the great performers. And then, you know, I still listen to them, and I'm, I don't keep up with what's going on now. But I know there's been a, a big effort for at least twenty years uh, to keep. Uh, jazz alive through uh, educational programs and uh, uh, higher education. I mean, there's departments of jazz now and people like Ed teaching. Um, so anyway, but the, the, to bring it back to spirituality, um, I always felt that, at least for me and my taste, that, that there's something in that improvisational form that, um, had a a kind of uh, effect on me that was uh, a deepening, and something you know put me in touch with something uh, on a, on a very deep level. And and then right. you know when I started <laughs> meditating, um, it did not shock me when I when I got into uh, TM back in the late sixties to discover that people like Paul Horn and and Charles Lloyd were into meditation and that John Coltrane had been. And, you know, um, there was something about that. Maybe it's just my taste. But, uh, you know, during the interview, I brought up the parallels with Indian music. And I remember when I first heard that, I had a similar feeling right. that there's some combination in the, in the, uh, the skill and the uh, uh, structure of the music and the freedom of the spontaneity of improvisation that was, uh, you know, very powerfully transformative. Right. Well, when you think about it, the, the early jazz greats, including Louis Armstrong, <clears throat> they came from a religious tradition, usually Baptist, uh, where they were gospel singers, and the way people expressed themselves spiritually was through music and song. And they brought that into, in, into their uh, world of music and uh, as jazz developed and evolved. And so it had its basis, as I see it, in spirituality. And uh, many people report, and, and I've certainly had this experience, where you listen to some very good jazz and it, it uh, takes you way inside. It's, a, it's like yeah. a very spiritual experience. Not unlike Gregorian chanting or classical That's music right. can also bring you there. But certainly That's a lot right. of jazz can as well. Yeah, we should um, we should uh, get somebody on to talk about sacred music in general uh, right. because it takes all forms. You know, we've been talking about jazz, but you you bring up Gregorian chants, and that's a very different kind of experience. You know, you listen to Bach, and that's a different kind of experience. But it could also, you know, it's transcendent. Right. Um, and and I guess some of it has to do with the consciousness of the <clears throat> composer or the performer and how you resonate with that. Some people would not have the same experience, you know, listening to uh, somebody like John Coltrane or Billie Holiday right. that that I do. But um, they you know, for them it might be, who knows? Right. Uh, hey, you, 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 you mentioned Billie Holiday. Uh, some of her music, like I think it's called "Fruit on the Tree," where that was one of the the major strange lyrics. Fruit. Strange fruit, and it's about lynchings. But when, yeah. when she sings that song, she's obviously singing it from a very, very deep spot within her, uh, her yeah. spiritual source, and that can also even that 
tragic music can enliven and bring one uh, deeper into themselves toward that spiritual source. Certainly that's my experience. So it can be joyous music, uh, but it can also be very heavy music. Uh, but all, uh, you know, one may be an expression of the outburst of inner life, another a retreat to inner life because of the suffering and pain of outer life, but spiritual nonetheless. I, I couldn't agree more. That's very well said, Dennis, you know, because people think, oh, spiritual music, and it, right. that means it, it has to be somehow uh, uplifting and positive, right. and there's a certain image of spiritual music that it proclaims, you know, something about God, or it's mm-hmm. very calming. Uh, but, you know, anything can trigger a, a spiritual experience if you resonate with the with the form and the and the performance, uh, and, right. you know, not everybody has their own, I don't know, vibratory <clears throat> receptivity or something. Right, right. I mean, you listen to a song like uh, Old Man River, I think it's from the musical Showboat. Uh, yeah. It's a musical tune, somewhat jazzy, but, but um, I mean, it, it's a song about somebody downtrodden, somebody that's really, life is tough. They're in, it's 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 sung by I believe a slave, uh, and yet uh, it's the strength of his human spirit that comes out through that song, and I find it very, you know, spiritually inspiring and enlivening. So yeah, uh, and and a lot has to do with who's singing it, right? Who's performing it? What was the state of consciousness of the composer? Uh, I mean, you know, let's face it: if you heard. <clears throat> You know, it's like you can hear somebody sing America the Beautiful. Mm. Okay, and it could be very nice and moving, or it could be bland. But then you hear Ray Charles' version. Right. And it's a very different experience. Right, right. Well, let's put it this way. Uh, I think if you gave Ella Fitzgerald a phone book and told her to read it it and do her own thing and improvise in doing it, she she could get uh, have an audience on their feet. You know, she could really and you know what, that. Dennis? We're showing our age. <laughs> <laughs> Ella Fitzgerald. You know, yeah. there's people I don't know, are, there, are there people like Ella Fitzgerald? Yeah, they, I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. There's young people listening to us and saying, who are they talking yeah, about? Exactly. You know, but, you know, you could probably say the same thing about Beyonce or Alicia Keys. Right. Uh, absolutely. Uh, you know, there are great, great singers today. Celine Dion is very inspiring often when she sings. Adele. Uh, you know, so these people carrying that tradition and uh, and building. I can, I can but, and, and the what, listening audience is arguing yeah. about who has who's more transcendent, Odell or Beyonce. Right, right. And and one <laughs> one, one one jazz singer that people today will know that we know that our parents knew because and he's still singing is Tony Bennett. And that's uh, right. And qu- quite singing with Lady Gaga of all things. Yeah, uh, uh, unbelievable. Anyway, uh, great uh, interview. Uh, I really enjoyed it with Ed. Very, very interesting stuff. And uh, look forward to having him back on. And listeners, note, very few of you heard of Ed Sarath before, unlike some of our famous uh, guests. And so please let people know that, you know, the interviews with people like Ed and others who have uh, little fame uh, deserve to be heard. Absolutely. Uh, it, it's, um, uh, and and uh, as we have in the introduction to our podcast, and something Phil wrote 
people that are famous and other people that should be famous and should yeah. be well-known listeners. So uh, definitely somebody to give you a lot of insight into jazz and, and all forms of music and expression. So, Phil, till next time. Till next time. Bye. Over and out.